0: Good morning. morning. (laughs) I'm going over question 79 this morning. If you would, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. This morning we'll be looking at verse 15, which is the Eighth Commandment. Four words in this verse. But such weight. Our question this morning is What is the eighth commandment? I answer being the eighth commandment is, Thou shalt not steal. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning to be able to gather together as a as a family, as your children, dear Lord, to open your word, to sing your praises. Father, I pray you help me this morning as I teach, dear Lord. I pray that you'd help us all to understand how great a law that this is before us, dear God. That, oh, what a mighty gulf that you did span at Calvary to save us from our rebel hearts, Lord, who have broken your law. I pray that you'd help us this morning. In Christ's name we do pray and ask. Amen. Stealing, a basic definition, is the act of taking property that belongs to someone else. It's also broadly viewed by these three subcategories. First being larceny, larceny meaning theft by taking. Second, extortion, which is theft by deception. Thirdly, robbery, which is theft by force like forcibly breaking into someone's home or robbing them at gunpoint. If you would turn to Leviticus chapter 19. And let's look at five examples of stealing or what the law says in Leviticus and also Proverbs. Leviticus 19. Look at verse 13. It talks about defrauding here. It says, Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Therefore, if someone works for you and you owe them pay, pay to man his money, as you hear nowadays. Leviticus chapter 6, if you look there, Look at a couple verses here in chapter 6. Look at verse 2. It talks about deceiving a neighbor by cheating him. Verse 2, it says, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor and that which was delivered him to keep. So in other words, if you're... Hey, can you watch my cow while I'm going I'm going on a little trip or something like that or in fellowship or in a thing taken away by violence or hath deceived his neighbor verse 3 talks about lying about that lost property it says here or have found that which was lost and lieth concerning it and sweareth falsely in all these things that a man doeth sinning therein so not only forcibly taking from someone or taking something that does not belong to you, but something that has been entrusted to you, say like, I'm a carpenter, sometimes people borrow my tools. Hey buddy, can I borrow your air compressor for the weekend? Well, they drop a board on it and they bust a regulator off of that. Well, I don't know how that happened. That, that, that was like that when you gave it to me. Well, according to the Bible, that's theft if you don't return something in the condition that you have taken it from them, or at least in better condition. Proverbs chapter 3 Let's look at something here. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 27 and 29 It doesn't talk about specifically taking directly from someone but it talks about withholding good to someone as stealing from them look at verse 27 it says withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in thy power of thine hand to do it say not unto thy neighbor go and come again and tomorrow i will give thee when thou has it by thee Look at verse 29. it says, Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. That's an act of theft as well. If your neighbor or your friend needs something and it's within your power to do it and you withhold that from him, that's breaking the eighth commandment as well. Jesus gives an example. Look in Luke chapter 3. Jesus was talking specifically to a publican right here, which was a tax collector. In verse 13, and he said unto them exact no more than that which is appointed to you. To overcharge. To pad the the invoice a little bit and get a little bit more than what you deserve. It's theft as well. To overcharge someone to pay more taxes which that's that's a whole nother conversation in our nation right now (laughs) all right the eighth commandment requires the lawful procuring and furthering the wealth and outward state of ourselves and others not only taking from someone but if you're not being diligent in your own work and in your own business Taking care for not only your family, but for those around us. Jesus, I mean, how, how many times did Jesus speak about the poor among us? How many times you read in the Old Testament about when they harvested their fields that they weren't supposed to take the corners? Well, if that field was never planted, how could those poor people have those corners of that field to glean from in order to eat? You remember how Ruth was able to go there from Boaz and sustain herself. Proverbs 27, 23 says this. It says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and to look well to thy herds. Take care of your business. Be good at what you do. Do everything that's within your power to not only sustain yourself, but have enough to give to others. That's what the Bible commands us. If you would turn back to Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25, verse 35. The law speaks of this. It says we look, look toward the welfare of our brother. And it says, And if thy brother be waxing poor, and fallen in decay with thee, then thou shalt relieve him yea though he be a stranger or a sojourner that he may live with thee turn to deuteronomy chapter 15 and you can see in this study this morning just not not only the taking away the property of a neighbor but helping a neighbor in time of need when it's in your power to do it and you're just you you really for me this week studying this I, i really got more of a grasp of what jesus meant by love your neighbor as yourself care for people when it's within your power to do it do so deuteronomy 15 look at verse 10 It says, Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thy hand unto do. Now, how many of us have family members that it's um, it's kind of the understood thing when they call or when they come around? they 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 need something <laughs> the Bible says not to be grieved by that for for that reason God has blessed you, and everything that your hand is going to do is to refresh others to be a blessing to <clears throat> deuteronomy chapter twenty two a few pages over an example given here about a man and the was a husband I'm sorry a man and a wife newly married and um the husband does something very very wicked to the wife here and um didn't personally steal anything from her but stole her reputation from her by his words that is theft as well that is stealing that is breaking of the eighth commandment look at verse thirteen. It says, if a man take a wife and go in unto her and hate her and give occasion of speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found her not a maid. If you read further down in the text right here, it wasn't the truth. He just didn't want her and he lied about it ruined her name ruined her reputation ruined the <laughs> reputation of her father stole this woman's good name stole her family's good name by his accusations Romans 13:10 says this it says love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of law did this man love his neighbor in his action there no He wanted out, and he was able to maim, harm, do whatever he had to do to get out. He was not loving his name. The Eighth Commandment forbids whatsoever does or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward state. We are responsible to be diligent in the things of what God has called us to do. Not just sit around and um, wait for bags of money to show up on the front porch and call it faith. That's foolishness. You must be diligent in all that you are called to do. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul makes a very bold statement right here in verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. And he's speaking of a believer here, specifically a man. And he says this, But if any provide not for his own, speaking of his own family, and specifically, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I'm sorry if I step on any toes this morning, somebody may be listening or somebody may be sitting here, but if you're sitting at home every day and it's your responsibility to provide for your family and you're not doing it, you are stealing from the very ones that God put you in charge to be a provider for. I speak to myself as well. I have tendencies and times where I just don't really care to get up and go. But I must. Proverbs 28, let's look there. So many times... In our Christian walks, we forget about the practicality of life every day. And we're so focused on the Sunday meeting. But we forget about the Mondays, the Tuesdays, the Wednesdays, the Thursdays, the Fridays, and the Saturdays where God has called us to walk in this earth and be an example in front of those. One of the greatest things that you could be in your Christian walk for a man is for you to go out there and work your job every day diligently according to the word of God, being light in darkness. Moms, one of the greatest things you'll ever do for the kingdom of God is raising your children in a godly home daily, changing the diapers and cleaning the dishes and everything like that. This is the work that you're called to daily. It's not mundane. It's not irrelevant. It is important. Whatsoever you find in your hands to do, do it all to the glory of God. Not just to attain to stand behind a pulpit and open a Bible. Some are called to do that, most are not. That doesn't make one better than the other. We're called to walk out this life in front of this world. Proverbs 28 verse 19 says this. It says, He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. The pursuit of wealth and riches and everything like that, you're gonna have to compromise to get there at one point or time. We must be diligent. We must be careful. The reason I say this is when you get out into the world, when you get out in the corporate America or anything like that, your faith is going to be challenged. You're gonna be asked to steal. You're gonna be asked to pad the ticket. You're going to be asked to say, hey, y'all guys, y'all just go hide in the pipe rack for a few hours. Let's go ahead and steal about 20 hours from the company the rest of the day. We're faced with it every day. It's theft. It's stealing. And if you profess Christianity and you do such things like that in front of people stealing time on the job, it's a compromise. The world is watching you. Another thing that I've learned personally too is if you spend the time when you're supposed to be working and you spend your time preaching instead of working, it's a compromise as well. The best thing to do is if you God has put someone in your heart at work, you go buy that man lunch and you speak to him of it on those times on your breaks. Do not steal company time to do that. It's a compromise. People are watching. Proverbs chapter 23. Look at verse 20 and 21. How folly can hinder you from what You're called to do what you're called to be. Verse 20 says, Be not among wine bimbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, those who like to drink and party all night, those who like to sit at the table and have banquets and feasts. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe the man with rags. If you spend all your time feasting and partying, you're not going to get up the next morning and go to work. You could ask my wife, Tammy, our our first year of marriage, that's what we did. I slept maybe two hours a night and I was on a job site. We'd leave the, I'd leave the ballroom at two o'clock in the morning and be on a job site at six. (coughs) Riotousness, drunkenness, revelings hanging out with the wine that's all I wanted that's all I cared for and you could do it when you're 19 and 20 but you're not going to consistently do that all your life you will come to poverty you will come to rags God has not given us the blessings and the aptitudes that we have and the gifts that we have to waste them on things like that Ephesians chapter 4 Paul gives a good example here of honest hard work and not stealing. Talks about those who were that way at one time, but how they should act since they have come to the knowledge of the saving faith of Jesus Christ. He says this in verse 28, he says, Let him that stole steal no more, but let, rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good. And it's funny he would say that. Let him that stole. So obviously this man was a thief at one time. He didn't work. Instead of getting up every day and doing what he was responsible to do to care for him on his own self, he would take from others that did not, that did what they were supposed to do. And this is, this is what Paul says, that he quit doing that, but that he would work with his hands and labor. For what reason? That he may have to give to him that needed not only to support yourselves, why does God give you increase? Why does God give you more than what you need to sustain yourself for others? And this church has no problem with that. This church helps people in need. But that's the reason we're given. We are blessed. The scripture teaches us in order to be a blessing. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now wrap up here in this verse this morning. Timothy gives a good, well, Paul, I should say, gives a good summarization of this in verses 1 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 1 through 10 <clears throat> let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed in other words be obedient be obedient to your masters be obedient to your employers so for what reason? So that God's name will not be mocked. You claim to be a Christian, but look how you're acting. If that's what Christianity is, what's the difference with the world? When we act such ways, there is no difference. Verse 2 And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort for what reason to where we could have more to give to those who are in need not railing against one another especially within the church when you have an employer and an employee we're both on the same team Verse 3, if a man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. This is this man's characteristics if he does not want to be a team player, if he does not want to humble himself, if he does not want to work with his hands, if he does not want to obey the eighth commandment. It says that he is proud Knowing nothing, but dotting about questions and strives of words, where cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. And what is their point? What are they looking for? Right here. Supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And I'll promise you right here on this verse right there, godliness with contentment is great gain. When you are content with what God has given you, you will not be looking to steal from another. You will love your neighbor. When someone comes to you and they need something, God's given me more than what I need. I'd be happy to help you. Godliness with great contentment. Verse 7, he says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Warning in verse 9, But they that will be rich fall into temptations. In a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So speaking to the Christian this morning that um. <clears throat> we'll do whatever it's necessary to make the quota at the end of the month or at the end of the year if you will lie and you will cheat and you will steal to get where you need to get be very cautious the scripture says that you will pierce yourself through with many sorrows i'm not questioning your salvation because people have done far worse things. <clears throat> Read 1 Kings chapter eleven. See what Solomon did. But be content with what God has given you. For those of you who are outside of Christ this morning. Yes, you have stolen. Yes, you are a thief just like us who are in Christ. At one time. Remember this verse here, first 1 Timothy one fifteen. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save righteous people. No. It says he came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Jesus said this, I come not to call the righteous unto repentance, but sinners. Dear friends, a prerequisite in order to be saved is you must be a sinner. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, not the righteous. He said the sick need a physician, not those who are well. Have you broken God's law? We've got up to eight so far. I find myself guilty of all eight thus far, and nine and ten, I'm sure I'm going to be just as well guilty of that. But as that song we sang a little bit earlier at Calvary, Mm -hmm. mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. Are you burdened under your sin this morning? Have you broken God's law? If you were to die in your sins today and you had to face a holy God tonight, would you be justified or unjustified to stand before him based upon his law? I know before Christ came and saved me, I would be unjustified. I remember when I was unsaved, I was scared to death to even get on a roller coaster because I did not want to die and face him. I knew a judgment was coming, but I kept pushing that ball and pushing that ball and pushing that ball down the line. The Bible scriptures teaches us that it is appointed unto man once to die, and then after that the judgment. Now I'm not trying to force any emotionalism or anything like that, but I ask you this: consider. Consider the condition of your soul. One day you will have to face him. And this law that we've been studying is what you will be judged by will you be guilty or will you be innocent you will be guilty you must have the righteousness of another covering you his name is Jesus Christ he kept the law perfectly did not sin not one time a perfect man went to a cross died a bloody death for what reason To pay for the sins of his people. To break for those who broke the law. He kept the law from them. And those who will put their faith in him. Not only has their sin been paid for by him dying in their place. But all the law that he kept, his righteousness is also imputed unto you, lawbreaker. The great exchange as a song that we sing, His robes for mine. Oh, wonderful exchange. Clothed in my sin, Christ suffered near God's rage. Robed in His righteousness, I'm justified. For in Christ I live, for in my place He died. This is the gospel, folks. The just died for the unjust. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again this morning, Lord. We We thank you, Lord, that you said that while in due time, when we were yet dead in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. We thank you for that, Lord. We praise you. We pray for the rest of this time this morning, Lord, the prayer request we're about to ask the children in the back, dear God. We pray, dear Lord, for your gospel to go forth into this world, dear Lord, and that you would save sinners by it, dear God. Thank you that you saved me. A wretched rebel who wanted nothing to do with you, but you kept chasing me and kept chasing me and kept chasing me. I thank you for it, Lord. May you be with us the next hour, Lord. May your name be magnified for you alone are worthy. Be with Jimmy as he preaches the next hour. Help us all. In Christ's name we do pray and ask it. Amen.